and uh, yeah. So the next thing we're going to do here is we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 3. Uh, we've been going through the book of Ezekiel. We looked at chapter 1 and we saw God reveal himself to Ezekiel. Jesus Christ shows up uh, and it's a little bit more than Ezekiel can maybe take in. Um, but uh, <clears throat> he tries to describe the glory of God to us. And I think he does a decent job. And then uh, God, then uh, he has some things to say to Ezekiel. Um, and he, he calls him to a specific mission last week. And then we're going to see this week is that he's going to commission him. Uh, that he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna ask him to do something specific for him, um, and uh, one of the things we see two things in this passage that are that are awesome about God. One is that God provides us with His Word. Um, God God provides us with truth by speaking to us. Uh, he's going to speak audibly to Ezekiel, and he's actually going to hand him a scroll, and we have the word of God. Uh, so we praise God for the fact that he has revealed himself to us. That was not something he had to do, but God revealed himself to us, and he continues to do that. Okay, And so uh, there's the revelation of God through his word that is amazing in this passage, and there's also the fact that God gives us identity in this passage. Um, now, identity is a, is a big thing. It's something that we're constantly forming in ourselves. We, and there's a lot of different things that we look at for identity. But one of the things that you'll hear within our culture is that you have to be yourself no matter what anyone else says. I don't know if you've heard that, or so, heard that or not. But just be yourself no matter what anyone else says. And there's some truth to that. Right? If, if you look at Ezekiel, God's going to tell him that, that I want you to go be my man no matter what anybody else does. Right? And so there's some truth that we should be ourselves no matter what anyone else says. But the question, though, is how do you form your identity? Right? And there are a lot of different things that will form our, our, our identity around. Well, well what, is, what does somebody else think of me? Right? Uh, what do my peers think of me? What, do, what, do, what does somebody say about me? And we think about it in different ways. What is, you know, we, we look at our body and we have our ethnicity and, and, our, and our gender and, and we have sexuality. And there's all these things that people form their identity around. Right? So what do, what do I think of myself? And what do others say about me? Maybe it's, maybe it's my accomplishments. And I think, well, I've done, I've accomplished this and I've accomplished that. And, I, and I'm, and and I'm going to do this later in life. And so I'm going to wrap my identity around the things that I've done. And that's what we tend to do. It's either what, is, what do I think of myself? What does somebody else think of me? And it usually boils down to kind of my body and, and, and maybe the way that I think a little bit. Uh, but, but that's what I'm going to form my identity around as well as the things that I've done. And what you'll find with this is that that means that identity could shift from one day to the next. My identity could shift from, from one year to the next. Some philosophers would say that you go from one identity to another moment by moment because you're constantly changing. So that, does that mean that, that, that my wife, Becky, could one day decide to be Bert and change her, change her gender? Can she change her identity like that? Can she make those choices? Well, our society would say yes. But I think God has something way more solid than that, right? I think that there's something way more solid that we can form our identity around, and that's God's revealed word, that he could, he could tell us who we are, that he could tell us that we're his creation, that he could tell us that before we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord, uh, the word that would probably describe us best is rebel, because we, haven't, we don't allow him to lead. But then when you place faith in Jesus Christ, he shifts you from rebel to child. And there's all these wonderful things that he does for us. And we tend to focus on those things, that, that he's made us our child, that he's made us a new creation. Um, and those are great things to focus on because you should know that about yourself if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you should know that when he comes into your life, he changes you dramatically. And that's a wonderful thing. He gives you a firm foundation and an identity in him. You don't have to shift with, whatever, with what's going on from one moment to the next, but you can have a firm identity. 
But there's another part of our identity that comes out in this passage to Ezekiel. And it's that one that, that when God calls us, He gives us the identity of an ambassador. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God is making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, He says, you're my ambassador. That's part of your identity that He wants you to embrace. Right? That's part of your identity that He wants you to embrace. You're His ambassador. And so what an ambassador does is like, I was talking to the kids at the dinner table about this last night. You know, so you end up in Japan and the United States has an ambassador in Japan and they speak to the Japanese government and they represent the U.S. government. That's their job is to go there and represent the United States, to think, speak, and act on behalf of the United States in another place. And God says that that's who we are for him, that we are his ambassadors. We have a heavenly citizenship. There's another part of your identity is that you're a citizen of heaven, but you live here on earth. And God says, you're my ambassador here on earth. You're to be my representative to the people that I put you in contact with. The next thing we see is that as ambassadors, we're commissioned, right? Matthew 28 says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The go is as you're going through your life, make disciples wherever God, wherever he leads you here in the United States, somewhere else, whatever it is, wherever God takes you, make disciples and you do. You do that by baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there's a, there's a moment where they decide to follow Jesus, and you say, make this commitment through baptism, and then teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, Jesus. As we teach them who Jesus is and how Jesus wants us to live. And he says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Because if he wasn't with us, it wouldn't be a co-mission. It would just be a mission. And he'd say, you know, be like James Bond, go get it done. But we're not James Bond. God is with us every moment. We're co-missioned. The mission is with each other as fellow Christians and with God who is with us at all times. And so we see that part of our identity as Christians is that we're ambassadors, that we're commissioned. And the next thing that I want to share with you, and and we see this, I think this is important because it's, it's true of what God wants in the New Testament, it's true of what God wants of Ezekiel, is that we're salt and light. In Matthew 5, 13, it says, you are salt, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot by men. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill uh, that cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. So when he talks about us being salt, uh, that means that we are to flavor things. We are to be the ones that, that, that preserve and flavor. God, you're my ambassador. You're commissioned. You're going to go. You're going to make disciples. You're going to be in the world. And instead of the world flavoring you and changing you into some cozy, comfortable Christian that hides, go flavor the world and share your faith. And you're to be light that, that shines and, and reveals truth. You're to go and, and not, not, he says, you don't put the light under a basket, right? You don't, the cozy thing for a Christian to do would be to say, I'm light, but it's really kind of scary to actually shine the light, so I'll put myself under a basket and hide and never make a difference for Christ. He says, no, don't do that, but instead go reveal the truth of who I am in the world where I've placed you. And so what we're going to see is these things are true of us as Christians, and they're exactly who God calls Ezekiel to be. So the first three verses here, it says, Then he said to me, God says to Ezekiel, Son of man, eat what you find. 
eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. He said to me, son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with the scroll which I am giving you. Then I ate it and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. And that's in a great description of God's word that as we consume God's word, as we, as we delve into the scriptures and we, we, we really seriously meditate on it and we make it a part of our life, it's sweet to us. Because the point of the Bible isn't to know stuff, it's to know Jesus. And as we come to know Jesus, we realize that there's this sweetness about who He is. There's this awesomeness about this God that made us and created us and loves us and wants to be a part of our life. As we come to know God for who He is, we encounter Him through His Word, we realize that this is sweet, that God has given me this. And so the first point on your handout is that God supplies His ambassadors. When God commissions His followers, He supplies them with His words. Christians are to be ambassadors, speaking only what is consistent with the character and mission of God. That's who He's called us to be. He's called us to be ambassadors, and He says, I've got what you need to go do this. I'm not sending you out there empty-handed. I'm going to be with you, right? And I'm going to give you what you need. You'll have my word, and my word will be what you will speak to the people in your life. So he calls you to be as ambassador. You know, that sounds intimidating, I have to admit. I, I agree, there are times where that's intimidating. Uh, but, but he supplies us with what we need. He gives us his love and his life. He gives us his word. He gives us his spirit that will empower us. We saw that last week, that the spirit of God empowers us as we go into these situations. So God supplies his ambassadors with his word. He gives us what we need. We have the completed word of God in the scriptures. He's revealed to us all that we need in order to know him and share him in a way that makes sense. The second thing we see here is that God sends his ambassadors. He says to Ezekiel in verse 4, Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligible speech or difficult language, but to the house of Israel. In other words, you'll be able to speak to them and they'll be able to, communication will take place because you, you can communicate. Nor to many peoples of, an, of unintelligible speech or difficult language whose words you cannot understand. But I have sent you to them who should listen to you. Yet the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you since they are not willing to listen to me. Surely the whole house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate. Okay, And so where, where is Ezekiel sent? He's sent to a group of people that he can communicate with easily. He's saying, I'm sending you to a group of people, you know their language, you were raised with them, you know their culture, you know their slang. I met with a, a guy who was a missionary this last week. He was, um, he was over in, in the Middle East, and he was sharing with me some of the words that he learned while he was over there. When he went over there, he had to learn their language, and he had to learn some of their slang, some of the words that they use to describe things that you go, that's not even in a book. Where do, what, what does that mean? He had, to learn, he had to learn their culture. He had to learn their slang words. He had to learn all these different things. And what he's telling to Ezekiel is he's saying, you're going to a group of people who you know, you know, you know their language, you know their culture, you know where they're coming from, you know their worldview, you know what they believe about God. You are going to be able to communicate with them. He says, but they're not going to listen. They're not willing to listen to me, so they probably won't listen to you. So just don't do it. Never mind. It's a bad idea. That's not what he says. He says, go anyway. 
Go share anyway, because I want, I want to be able to hold them accountable. I want them to know who I am. And part of who God is, is he is someone who holds people accountable for the truth that they have about him. And he is also someone who, once people have truth, he will continue to use that to work on their heart. So maybe they won't listen to you, and maybe it'll take a long time before they listen. And maybe they'll never listen at all, but go share the truth anyway. Now, there are parts of this that we look at it and we go, okay, uh, I, I get what he's, he's sending Ezekiel to do. It's kind of it's where he has me. I understand the people around me. We speak the same language. I know your, I know your slang words. Um, I know where you're coming from for, on your worldview. But what's happening in the United States is that worldview and, and culture are changing rapidly. The worldview and culture that many of you were raised in doesn't, doesn't necessarily translate anymore. And so where, where a lot of us find ourselves is in a situation where we go, I'm not like Ezekiel because I, I don't understand the culture, culture around me. I don't know what, what they're saying. I don't understand their worldview. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know what they believe about God or why they believe it. And one of the things that we tend to do as Christians is, is we tend to put ourselves in isolation from the world. The idea is, is that uh, you know, if, if I isolate from myself from the world, I'll be less affected by it. But that may be true, but you'll also be less effective for it. And so the tendency for Christians, you know, you're salt. And what I imagine is all these little salt shakers, like everybody in the room is a salt shaker. And we have a tendency to what we do is we go home and instead of putting the salt shaker on the counter so that we can season the things in our, in our kitchen, we have a tendency to go put it in the cupboard and shut the door because it's comfortable there. But that's not what salt's for. It's not intended to just sit in the cupboard, right? You want to eat a bunch of bland food? No, you don't. Do you want to be bland to the world around you? No, you don't. You want, we should be the ones that season things. And the fact of the matter is that if we're not seasoning, if we're not taking the, the call to be an ambassador, a follower of Jesus Christ seriously, and we don't go out and season the world around us, something else will. And so the tendency for us is to be, is to be, you know, we think isolation from the world. I'll be less affected by the world if I isolate myself from it. But you will also be way less effective for Christ in it if that's your mentality. So God sends his ambassadors. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're his ambassador. And he sends you into this world. To go be salt, to go be light, to season things, to, to shed the truth in this world around us about who Jesus is. The next thing we see is that God strengthens his ambassadors. Verse 8, he says, Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. When I said that, Nadia was like trying to picture what this is, my daughter. She, and like Emery, she's like picturing somebody with a really rock head. Um, I said, that doesn't sound good. Anyway, behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them or dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house. So God strengthens his ambassadors. He promises that he will make his followers stronger than those, rebel, than those who rebel against him. This is God's promise. He says, you're my ambassador, and I'm going I'm to provide you with my word, right? I'm going to supply you with my words, and then I'm going to send you into this world. But then you have to realize you're going you're to receive opposition, so I'm going to strengthen you. 
And if you'll remain steadfast in my word, if you'll, if you'll dig into me and my character and have relationship with me, I will strengthen you. And I'll give you what you need to not be swayed, to not be seasoned by the world, but to season it instead. I'll give you what you need. See, that God strengthens his ambassadors. And it's interesting, the scriptures promise both opposition and victory. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. All who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. So if you take this seriously, if you say, God has, God has supplied me with his word and he sent me into the world to share him. If you take that seriously and go do it, you will be persecuted. That's what the scriptures say. So he promises that he will strengthen us. John 13, 20 said, Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will keep yours also. He will be with us. He will strengthen us. This isn't a mission, but it's a co-mission where God indwells us and guides us and leads us and strengthens us. He gives us what we need, whether we face opposition or whether there's a response to follow him. He gives us what we need. The last thing we see here is that God sustains his ambassadors. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, take into your heart all the words which I will speak to you and listen closely. Go to the exiles, the sons of your people, and speak to them and tell them whether they, say or, whether they listen or not. Thus says the Lord. So God sustains his ambassadors. God wanted, to, God wanted Ezekiel to take his word to heart. Uh, Ezekiel was to consume and be consumed by God's word. And in doing so, Ezekiel would speak only what God had in mind. Moreover, son of man, take into, take, take, take into your heart all my words which I speak to you and listen to them closely. When Jesus confronted the Pharisees, one of the things that he said to them, he said, because knowing God's word is good. We, sh we want to know God's word. Um, my daughter was sharing with me that she watched some show and she said, on the show there was this lady that had memorized the entire Bible. The Pharisees would do that. They would memorize the scriptures from Genesis through the prophets. You could say, what's Genesis 20:12, And they'd read it off to you. They knew it, but they didn't know God. So when Jesus confronted them, one of the things that he said to them, he says, you, you read the scriptures and in them you think that you find life, but the scriptures testify about me. The point of you reading that isn't to know stuff, it's to know Jesus. And so he wants us to, he wants us to read his word and know his word, to know the Bible, but he says, take it into your heart, not just your head. Right? There's 18 inches between our heart and our head. It's important that the word travels those 18 inches. Don't just know them, but know them. Don't just know who God is, but know who God is. The difference between a relationship with somebody that you know stuff about and somebody that you know. Think about that. The difference, you know, you have, you know those relationships where you know stuff and it's shallow. Yeah, I mean, they work over there and they like this sport and they play that game and they, uh, they, they've been married to so-and-so for so long and they do this and they do that, but you don't have the slightest clue who they really are. God's saying, don't interact with me like that. I want more. I don't want just your mind. I want your heart. And if God has your heart, 
you'll find that you live differently. If God has your heart, you'll look at your finances and you'll use them differently. You'll look at your time and you'll use it differently. You'll look at things like he's called me to be your ambassador and you won't go, I can't do that. You'll go, I want to do that. If God has your heart, if his word travels from your mind to your heart and he has your heart, you find yourself living differently. Think about it within a marriage relationship. Uh, if, you, if you've been married and, and, you, and, you, and you've been close to your spouse and, and your spouse has your heart, like you, you know them and you know where they're coming from and your spouse has your heart, how do you live for them? Do you begrudgingly do things for them? Well, I guess I've got to do that for my wife. I've got to do my honeydew list. You don't look at your wife like that. You say, I want to serve her. I want to care for her. I want to mark everything off on that list before noon because I, I care about her. And God is saying, love me like that. Allow my word to get into your heart and listen to them closely. Just go to the exiles, to the sons of your people, and speak to them and tell them whether they listen or not, thus says the Lord. So remember, Ezekiel's mission is to a group of people who were, uh, they were in the northern kingdom of Judea, and the, the Judea had, had done something that Babylon didn't like. Uh, they rebelled against them. And Babylon came in, and they removed the king, and they removed all the nobles, and all the priests, and all the influential people, and they said, we're taking you out of Jerusalem, we're going to put you here in Babylon, and he's in this tiny little town of Tel Aviv, um, and a uh, uh, little grain town, and that's where he is. He's with a bunch of people who have been removed for their, from their home and placed in this other place. And he says, I want you to go to them, people that will be able to understand you. They'll, they'll, know, they'll know what you're saying. You'll be able to speak to them. You'll be able to understand them. I want you to go to them, and I want you to say, thus says the Lord, and share with them the things that keep them from relationship with me. And that's really what we see for the next 20 chapters, is God's going to talk to the, these exiles about these are the things that have kept you from, from close relationship with me. We need to deal with them. And ultimately, that's where he places us. He places us in a culture that is far from God. And he puts us in people's lives so that we can share with them the truth about God and we can share with them the things that keep them from God. We can go to them in a loving way and say, these are the things that keep you from close relationship with God. And, and he wants relationship with you, so let, let's come to him and, let's, and let's, he's going to change those things in you. He's going he's gonna to spur in you a desire for me and, and relationship with me. But, but you, when you come to him, you've got to understand he's not going to leave you the way you are. And that's the beauty of Jesus is he loves us as is. He dies for us as is. He saves us as is. But he doesn't leave us as is. He changes us. So when you look at this, we see that God has called us to be his ambassadors. He's, he's, he's looking at Ezekiel and he says, I want you to be an ambassador to your own people. I want you to share with them uh, who I am and, and I want you to speak on my behalf to these people. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's who you are. You're his ambassador. You're to represent him on this world. And he's commissioned you. He said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples and I'll be with you all the time. You're not James Bond. I'm with you. And, and, and this isn't some secret mission. You know, it's not going to self-destruct in 30 seconds. But, but I'm going to be with you. And 
And so tell people about who I am. And as you go about your life and you, and you encounter people, don't be shy about sharing me. Let me just say, I understand. I, I, I experientially understand the times when we get shy about sharing Jesus. I'll keep using the same story that I've been using. You know, it's been about three weeks ago now. I went to the dentist, um, and I had a cleaning, and I have this conversation with the hygienist, and she shares with me her spiritual background, where she's coming from and what she believes, and ultimately what she's saying is every path leads to God. That's what I believe. And that's what the culture around us believes, right? So she finishes telling her story, and we go out, and I say, hey, I think there's a little bit different approach to, to spirituality and who God is. And it would be great if you'd read this book called Jesus Among Other Gods by Ravi Zacharias. And so I, I order a copy of the book on Amazon, and a week later I go in and I get a cavity filled. Um, not, not, let's not focus on that part of the story. Um, but I get a cavity filled, and, uh, and, and uh, I left the book in the car because I wasn't sure that she would be working, but I also left my wallet in the car so I'd have an excuse to go to my car. Um, and uh, so I'm set to pay, and I go, hey, i got to go grab my wallet. I saw that she was there, so I grab my wallet, I grab the book, and as I'm, as I'm leaving the car with the book, I went, do I really want to do this? What if, she, what if she says, I don't want that? What if she says, how dare you? What if she says, get that out of my face? And I had that moment of, what if she rejects this? And I literally said out loud as I pulled it out of the car, what do I have to lose? And I'm going to give her this book. And I'm going to share, I want to I develop a relationship with her where I can share Jesus the next time I show up. What do you have to lose? What are you afraid of? What are we, I, I mean, I get it. We, we do have fear and we do have those moments of, do I really want to do this? Because if I step out there and get rejected, that, that doesn't sound fun. And what's amazing is when, when God looks at Ezekiel, he says, they're not going to listen to you. Go anyway. Jesus promises that if you, if you follow me, the scriptures promise, if you, follow, if you follow God and you live a godly life and you take these things seriously, there will be those who will respond negatively. You're going to get that. Do it anyway. Because ultimately what you're doing is, is you're saying that God, I, I believe in the love of God enough to share it. I, I have experienced the love of God enough and I understand the transformation that he has in me enough to say, I'm not going to hold this for myself. I'm not going to be a salt shaker in a cupboard. I'm not going to be a light under a basket. I, I've experienced this enough to know this is worth sharing. And I care about people because God cares about people. The statistics on the number of Christians that share their faith in the United States are, are um, not good. It's like one in six people that are Christians will actually talk about faith with other people. And what I, when I hear that, what I think is that means only one in six Christians um, are in a place where their heart belongs to God in that way. That, that, they, that only one in six have said, I believe, I've experienced and I believe in the love of God enough to share it. And there, I know there are people that say, well, that's not my spiritual gifting. I'm not an evangelist. I don't care. I don't have the gift of mercy. Does that mean I don't have to care about you? I don't have the gift of giving. Does that mean I don't have to give any money? God says, he talks to Timothy. Paul talks to Timothy. He says, do the work of an evangelist. He doesn't say, Timothy, you're an evangelist. Go exercise your spiritual gift. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Take it seriously.
So how blessed we are to have the Word of God and His revelation to us. How blessed we are to have an identity. You know how, I mean, if, you, if you've experienced life, wandering through life and going, I don't know who I am. One moment to the next, one people group to the next, one group of friends to the next, I'm constantly behaving differently. I don't know who I am or how to live. God says, I'm going to free you from that. I'm going to make you my child and I'm going to make you a new creation and I'm going to commission you and make you my ambassador and you're going to be salt and light. That's who you are regardless of who you're hanging out with. So God's message to Ezekiel is, you're my man, so go be my man. That's his message to us. You're my man. You're my woman. Go be my man. Go be my woman. Base truth on what I speak to you. Consume my word and be consumed by my word. Share the truth because I've made you, made you my ambassador. I'm your loving and gracious God and King. Live like it. God, I thank you that your word challenges us. Uh, when I look at what you're calling Ezekiel to do, um, you just try and put yourself in Ezekiel's shoes for a minute. <laughs> God, you've removed me from my homeland. Um, I've witnessed horrendous things. As the Babylonians, when they removed people, it wouldn't have been cute and cuddly. It would have been devastating. God, you've removed me from my homeland, and I've, and I've witnessed devastating things. And, and now you're telling me right here where you've got me, after all the things that I've been through, you want me to go share with this people that have caused the issue. You want me to share with them your grace and your love. And God, you've got me here in the United States and this society around me it rejects you and it stiff-arms you. And if I'm going to share you, then I'm going to probably get rejected and stiff-armed. And that doesn't sound like fun. But because I know your heart, God, because I know that you love people deeply, that you love them enough to die on a cross on their behalf, to pay for their sins so that they could exit rebellion and enter childhood, and they could exit rebellion and, and enter your family. You love people that much. And since I understand that you love people that much, I want to love like you love. And I want to I live like you lived. And what you're telling me is that, that what that means is that I take being an ambassador seriously. That I take the fact that you've made me salt and light seriously. So God, I thank you that your word challenges us, but I also thank you that it, uh, it does things like it, it uh, encourages us. Because you promised that you're going to, when you send me, you're going to supply me with your words. And when you send me, you're going to strengthen me. And when you send me, you're going to sustain me. You're going to be with me all the while. So God, I pray that we would live for you as our God and our King and that we would live for your kingdom and to see many, many people enter it as we share your life and your love. I pray this in Jesus' name.